Chapter 3 The Divine Life After the marvels of the infinite grandeur of the divine being considered in a rather static manner, let us try to begin the meditation and contemplation of God in his dynamism, in his life, and in his operations, both internal and external. It is a marvelous world that we enter, like Moses approaching the burning bush. Let us purify our hearts and our souls in order to ask the Spirit of God for a ray of light, as the light of glory in heaven will be, to discover a little of the burning light, which is the divine light of which St. John spoke with such eloquence and conviction in his gospel and his epistles. The message we have heard from him and announced to you is this, that God is light, and in him is no darkness. 1 John 1, 5 He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is charity. By this hath the charity of God appeared to us, because God hath sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we may live by him. 1 John 4, 8-9 Deus caritas est. God is charity. These are without doubt the words which most perfectly illuminate the divine operations, internal as well as external. We may say in truth that God is Trinity because he is charity. How could he be charity if there were only one person in God? God is then a burning furnace of charity in which the three divine persons know and love one another eternally. Thus, the office of the Holy Trinity crowns the entire liturgical year. The Holy Trinity is the great mystery by which all of God's plans are accomplished. Everything proceeds from the Holy Trinity and everything returns to the Holy Trinity. Nothing is explained Nothing is understood, nothing exists without the Holy Trinity, the inexhaustible and eternal source of charity, and this both within the mystery itself of the triune God and outside the Trinity. Caritas pater est, gratia filius, communicatio spiritus sanctus, obeata trinitas, ex quo omnia, per quem omnia, in quo omnia, Ipsi gloria in secula. The Father is charity, the Son is grace, the Holy Ghost is their communication, O blessed Trinity, from whom are all things, by whom are all things, in whom are all things, to him be glory forever. Antiphons from the Feast of the Holy Trinity. Now as the burning sun sets, do thou, O everlasting Trinity, O blessed Trinity, our light, pour forth love into our hearts. Hymn of Vespers for Trinity Sunday How this meditation on the triune charity and charity Trinity is comforting and encouraging, as it is also a source of unity. Creation If we pass from this eternal charity to the diffusion of this charity in God's creatures, we will soon discover in every creature the mark of divine charity. God being charity, can he communicate anything other than charity?
The mark of charity in creatures is manifest in their order towards their end. Each creature is constituted in view of its end. Its end is written in the nature and in the supernatural elevation of spiritual creatures and in the nature of corporeal beings. An ordo ad finem, an ordering towards an end, is written in each creature. It is in this order that we find the dynamism of charity, which draws each creature towards its end. Clearly, this dynamism is fully conscious in spiritual creatures and unconscious in the animal, vegetable, and mineral orders. Homo ad Deum ordinatur. Man is ordered to God, says St. Thomas. The final end of man, and of the angels too, is God. The Church teaches in our Catholic catechisms, Why did God create man? God created man to know him, to love him, and to serve him so that by this means he might attain eternal life. This response is but the synthesis of what our Lord teaches in the Gospel. Ecest autem vita eterna, ut coniuscant tesorum Deum verum, et quem misisti Jesum Christum. Now this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. John 17.3 This principle of finalization, according to which charity is poured forth, is the driving force of all activity in creation. This principle means that even the intellect and the will of spiritual beings must cooperate by free acts in order to attain their end. This is because even freedom is dependent on the end. Free acts must therefore contribute meritoriously to the attaining of this goal. Liberty is not independent of the final end, but it is given so that the spiritual creature can choose the different means which lead to that end. Thus, it cannot, without causing a disorder, choose a means which turns away from this end. The principles are elementary for the realization of the divine plan, that is, to pour forth charity, which is nothing else than union with God. All of divine providence has been and will always be directed to this goal. The true meaning of intellect, will and liberty can only be grasped through this light coming from God, which enlighteneth every man that cometh into this world, John 1, 9, through the living, burning light of divine charity. God is free and communicates freedom in view of the first commandment of love, which contains all the law. One only God shalt thou adore, and thou shalt love him, perfectly. All creation depends on this first commandment, and all persons, and all societies, creatures of God, must submit to it, even civil societies. Everything must converge and lead to this love, and nothing should be opposed to it. The reign of God that our Lord has come to reestablish is nothing else than this reign of love. It is at the level of these fundamental principles of divine providence and of his infinite wisdom that the error of liberalism is situated. 
liberalism tends to ignore the finalization of liberty, according it a scope it does not have in the divine plan, to the detriment of divine law and of the duties of divers societies. These societies thereby allow sin and scandals to proliferate. This error destroys individual and social morals. It opposes the reign of love of God and of our Lord. Let us contemplate the act of love that creation was, and let us strive to bring about in and around ourselves this reign of God and of our Lord, for the re-establishment of which God accepted to die on the cross, manifesting anew his infinite love for disordered and sinful creatures. O admirabile commercium! O admirable exchange! How we ought to delight to reread the extraordinary passage of the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians 3, 8, which the liturgy presents to us on the day of the Feast of the Sacred Heart. The creation of this new human family of Christians is in truth a new creation which prepares the predestined and the elect of God. Quote, quote, autem receperunt eum, dedit eis potestatem filios dei fieri. To as many as received him, he gave the power of becoming sons of God. John 1, 12. It is the creation of the mystical body of Jesus to which we adhere by a valid and fruitful baptism. Eiuntes docete omnes gentes, baptizantes eos in nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 28, 19. This family is the Catholic family, and it is so exclusively because it alone possesses the entire faith in Jesus Christ and in his work, the Church. Vatican II's desire to integrate into the Church non-Catholics, as they are, is a scandalous and adulterous desire. The Secretariat for the Unity of Christians by Mutual Concessions, Dialogue, is leading to the destruction of the Catholic faith, the destruction of the Catholic priesthood, and the elimination of the power of Peter and of the bishops. The missionary spirit of the apostles, the martyrs, and the saints is eliminated. For as long as this secretariat keeps the false ecumenism as its orientation and Roman ecclesiastical authorities approve it, we can affirm that they remain in open, official rupture with the Church's entire past and with its official magisterium. It is, therefore, a strict duty for every priest wanting to remain Catholic to separate himself from this conciliar Church for as long as it does not rediscover the tradition of the Church and of the Catholic faith. Concluding these few considerations on divine wisdom in the plan of creation, let us recall that the work of sanctification of souls here below, the exercise of charity by the practice of the commandments of love against the spirit of the flesh, the world, and the devil, is attributed particularly to the Holy Ghost, spirit of love. St. Gregory, in the lessons of the Feast of Pentecost, 
eloquently and forcefully expresses this link between the love of God and the observance of the commandments, relying on the words of our Lord himself. Siquis dirigit me sermonem meum servabit, et pater meus diriget eum, et ad eum veniemus, et mansionem apud eum faciemus. If any one love me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him, and will make our abode with him. John fourteen twenty three, And on the words of St. John in his epistles, Quidicit diligo deum et mandata eius non custodit mendax est. He who saith that he loveth God, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. 1 John 2, 4, 1 John 4, 20 O Jesus, O Mary, help us to accomplish this request of the Our Father. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, so that our souls might become the temple of the Holy Trinity today and for eternity. Let us, priests or future priests of the Lord, live in the active presence of the omnipresent and all-powerful God. May we be able to see in the Eucharist God the Creator and Redeemer, the Jesus of the Crib, the Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Prophet, Priest, and King, teaching His future priests and ordaining them before ascending the cross, Jesus rising from the dead, ascending into heaven and sending the spirit of love to found his church, his spouse, his mystical body, and to draw its members to heaven. May we acquire a missionary spirit that transmits this divine fire to souls by the example of a living faith which returns everything to God and to Jesus Christ, enlightening souls concerning the infinite wisdom of God his goodness, and his mercy, accustoming souls to exercise humility before God, to adore his will, to totally depend upon him, and associating souls with the conquest of the reign of our Lord, of his sacred heart, and of the reign of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. <laughs>